is so good to be with you guys this morning. It has been, yeah, quite a while. Um, I believe last week, yeah, you heard my friend Andre Green uh, speaking to you from his closet all the way from New Zealand. And today, yeah, we're going to share a few thoughts uh, with you guys all the way from cold and rainy South Africa. Yeah, I just plan to maybe spend five minutes in a little update on us as a family as well as as far as our ministry is concerned and then i will dive yeah straight into the sermon um but i will use a few illustrations from our work here in south africa yeah for those of you that don't know us um we are the Oras family my name is renee uh, there you see my lovely wife sandra she is uh yeah born and bred in south africa south african citizen um well i'm from germany and our lovely kids you have tyron there in the middle and our daughter taisha and our little boy Dylan, uh, who turned six, uh, is actually turning seven very soon. He's in grade one now, a big boy, school age now. Uh, and we have a fourth child, a daughter Zoe, that is with the Lord already. Yeah, we are part of IBCD for quite a number of years. We joined the church um, end of 2004, that was, uh, until we, we were sent out by IBCD as missionaries to South Africa. Uh, in 2012. Ever since then, we are in full-time ministry here in Cape Town in South Africa. I have a brief video clip for you guys. Here you can see I take you on a mini journey from Düsseldorf to Cape Town. Yeah, that was just a little glimpse of what we do with our uh, small organization, with our nonprofit organization, New Beginnings, that we started here in South Africa. Last but not least, last year, we decided to move into the neighborhood, uh, to move actually into Mannenberg. Not the, the busiest part where all the gang action is happening, but the more quiet part of Mannenberg um, to be accessible, to be quickly in the community, to have people coming over to our place. So as you can see here, the yeah, the circle shows where all the gang activity in Manenburg is happening. Manenburg obviously being the, the square and the little uh, blue dot there with the X is where we stay now. So it's about 500 meters to, to get over there, just to walk over to where the action is, is happening. And uh, yeah, we have different 
different groups in our house. There was a teenage group that met in our house. The girls can just walk over from Central Mannenberg, a ladies group as well. And um, recently we, we added another location to the bus all in Mannenberg, but we have now four different locations in different gang territories that we're now working and um, yeah, reaching out to people in, in different ways. We had the leadership course you see on the, in the top, uh, the young boys sitting there, they just finished their, their leadership course, um, different groups and yeah, just different activities, prayer walks and whatever going on to build God's kingdom in Mannenberg. Yeah. Um, I would like now to, yeah, dive right into the sermon. I'm going to share a few stories from my work later on. Um, but first, I would really like to, yeah, to dive into 2 Samuel chapter 22. It's the David's song of praise. And we'll just, yeah, share a few thoughts about battles as well as perspective. David's song of praise. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. Now, let's pause right here, all right? You actually want to want to look into the whole chapter. And normally, if you have a sermon, you, you take probably a portion of scripture, about 10 verses. Uh, this is about 50, but please bear with me. But let's pause right there. Because um, the whole chapter starts basically with a, with a little summary of, of what the song will be about, all right? And even if you would clock out now after that, just this introduction, the summary, um, I think that would be okay. Now you could take something home with you. Uh, because David, it says he had quite a lot of enemies. Yeah? Some of them were quite powerful. Now he had to face a lot of battles. And we all face battles, uh, one way or the other. Um, but David's experience was that God was present in the midst of all his battles. Yeah? And that is pretty amazing. Yeah? He wasn't only there, but he did come to rescue David all the time. And that really speaks about the faithfulness of God. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were in the, in the female prison, in um, Postmo prison here in, in Cape Town. We had a Bible study and um, we looked at Genesis chapter one. Yeah. And you know how it starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was fullness and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering on the surface of the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Yeah. So we had darkness, we had chaos, and still God, his spirit was right there in the midst of it. Uh, that in itself is already so beautiful and so powerful to see, hey, sometimes my life can be chaotic. Sometimes it can be dark. Sometimes I might not see where this God is, but he is right there in the midst of all of that. And the beautiful thing is also he's not just leaving it like that but he's bringing light into darkness and order into chaos. And that is just beautiful. That gives a lot of hope also for my, for my own battles, All right? Now, if we continue reading in 2 Samuel. Yeah. So he sang, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock and whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. He's my refuge, my savior. The one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise. And he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its robes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. 
my cry reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the heavens shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. A great brightness shone around him, and burning coals blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the, of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered his enemies, his lightning flashed, and they were confused. Then at the command of the Lord, the, at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at the moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not, not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure, but to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. O Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? God is my strong fortress and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me a shield of victory. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep, me, to keep them from slipping. I chased my enemies and destroyed them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I consumed them. I struck them down so they did not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot on their ne necks. I have destroyed all who hated me. They looked for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as dust of the earth. I trampled them in the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You preserved me as the ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. Foreign nations cringe before me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He brings down the nations under me and delivers me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. Now, that was quite a long chapter, right? And um, I don't know how you feel about battles. As I said, all of us, we, we face our own battles. And yeah, some might think of victory, others of defeat. Uh, some feel hurt. 
or afraid of battles. Others feel maybe excitement if they have something to, to, to fight for. Uh, sometimes battles can leave us scarred, uh, or they can make us stronger, uh, make us yeah into a warrior. Now, when David starts his song, he's actually giving away a little bit of his battle strategy, right? Because he starts with praise, not with, with complaint. Uh, sometimes we have the tendency just to complain, to see the problem, to see the issue, and complain, oh, why me? Uh, why does it happen to me? And um, yeah, David is giving here a little change of perspective, right? A little bit like, like, like Peter, when Jesus invited him to walk in the water with him, uh, he started to lose his focus, focusing on the wave instead of the Lord that was on the wave. And yeah, he was starting to go down. He was starting to, to drown. Yeah. Uh, David instead, he, he starts with praise. He starts with worship. Uh, it's the same what King Jehoshaphat did in Second Chronicles, uh, where he was facing a mighty army and he had to tell, tell them, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle does not belong to you, but to God. Yeah. And then he sent the singers, the worshippers, ahead of the army. And it says the moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord started to act and started to defeat the enemies. Yeah. So that is a bit of a, a battle strategy, and we try to do that in prison as well. Yeah. When we run programs in prison, we, we like to start not only with a prayer, but with a time of, of, of praise and worship as well. Yeah. And I tell especially the ladies in the female prison, they stress a lot you know, about their cases, their families, whatever, the children at home. And I tell them, hey, let's take a time to worship, huh? to take our mind off our situation, off our stress, and focus for a moment yeah, on the one who actually can do something about it, while you guys can't. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, speaks about the same thing. Huh? Where it says, don't copy the customs or the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Yeah? It's a change of perspective. Uh, and that is something we, we need to learn. It's not coming just like that. We have to learn it. And battles can be a way yeah, to teach us this change of perspective. Now, when we think about, about battling uh, and about starting with praise and worship, that is something that we really also, also try here in Mannenberg. For instance, we have a new event called Kingdom Come. And it's not just us as uh, Rene and Sandra, as New Beginnings, but it's a cooperation between uh, a little local church called Tree of Life, amazing people that love the Lord, and that do an amazing work in Mannenberg, then the prayer room of Weiler Musenberg, as well as the 24-7 prayer movement South Africa. So we do that as a col collaboration where we have a monthly uh, evening praise, prayer, and worship event in Mannenberg. And that is the, the beautiful thing about it, that we don't do it in the, in the wealthy suburbs, in the nice or safe suburbs, but in Mannenberg, in the Cape Flats, in one of the most notorious areas, um, just known for drug abuse and gangsterism, where people come together from all different works of walks of life, from yeah, the wealthy suburbs, from really the poorest area of Cape Town as well, from all different socioeconomic backgrounds, different age groups, all different ethnic groups in South Africa coming together to pray for Cape Town and beyond to worship the Lord together. And that is just really yeah, a beautiful picture of diversity. And yeah, it's just, just amazing to be, to be part of that. Last week, we had our, our, our second Kingdom Come event. You see in one of the pictures at the bottom, we had to do an outside open air event because of the COVID uh, regulations. 
because we have about 80 to 100 people uh, attending. And uh, so we did it outside with fire pits and it was, it was really, really nice. Yeah, the same is happening when we do, yeah, play gospel music from the bus while we're driving, when we do prayer walking, uh, while there's maybe a gang war and these kind of things, because we want to see breakthrough first on a spiritual level before we see it kind of in the natural as well. So praise, worship, prayer is really part of the battle strategy. All right, back to the text. We could see that David, um, yeah, he was facing battles. Yeah? There were lots of battles and sometimes they were overwhelming, all right? Um, he wrote about waves of death overwhelming him, floods of destruction uh, sweeping over him, the grave wrapping his robes around him, death laying a trap in his path. You know? And even when you're in a situation like that where you, yeah, where you face battles with, that are just too much, uh, that you cannot handle, it is so good to remember God, right? He starts not with the overwhelming issues. He starts with who God is and praising God. Yeah? It is so important, I guess, to remember who God is and who we are in God, right? Um, I just realized that I was sharing my screen. Yeah? Even though I didn't want to show anything anymore. You see, I'm not used to uh, preaching on Zoom, but I think we will get there. So remembering God for who he is, for who we are in God as well. And yeah, how many times do we read in the scriptures that God says, do not be afraid, not because the struggle is not real, but do not be afraid for I am with you. Now God's presence in the midst of our challenges is making all the difference. Now, when we think about battles, now there are a couple of questions coming up. One of them is, whom are you fighting? Who is fighting against you? What is fighting against you? The other one is, what are you fighting for? Yeah? And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the first question. Yeah? Whom are you fighting? Who is fighting you? Yeah? In this court case here, David's case, uh, it was very specific people. Right? There were some nations like the Philistines or whatever, arch enemies of, of Israel. They were continuously fighting them. Uh, um, and there's one person that is even, even named, right? Saul, uh, which is quite interesting because Saul is actually the one it was his own king, right? And one of his own people, he was actually the one, yeah, he was supposed to have David's back, uh, but he didn't. Yeah? However, Saul has been singled out here, but he's not called an enemy, right? He said, the Lord rescued David from all his enemies and from Saul, uh, which is quite interesting, uh, but we're going to get there later. One thing is that sometimes it's not so obvious who the enemy is, all right? Sometimes it's not so obvious who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Now, uh, I just finished reading a book by Gregory Boyle. It's called Tattoos on the Heart. And Gregory Boyle is a guy, he's, he's working with gang members uh, in LA in the US. All right, here in South Africa, by the way, you don't call people gang members, you call them normally gangsters, right? So uh, what he said, working with, with gangsters in the US, the dilemma he faces sometimes is that he says, I have kids I love, killing kids I love. Now, the same situation we have here just a few weeks back, there was a shootout between a young teenage boy that we have been seeing growing up, very broken boy from a very broken background. Um, we saw him joining again. Now he was in a shootout with another teenage boy that we also know. Uh, and while they didn't hit each other, 
there was a little seven-year-old child that was yeah caught in the crossfire and he was shot in the head twice now yeah? and sometimes you sit there with the situation but you can't hate anyone and you can't even say who is the the real really bad the bad person who is the enemy yeah? Gregory Paul when he's facing the situation he also said the gangsters are not our enemies uh, they are our sons and daughters or someone else's son and daughter now yeah? and that is true now over the last couple of months several gang bosses were also yeah shot dead uh, but some of them i was really sitting there and i was mourning their death one of them i was at the funeral there were hundreds of gangsters there and i yeah was allowed also to be not paul bearer but to carry his casket for a couple of meters yeah and i was really mourning his death because i really had hope had i had hope this man uh, i could actually see god doing something in his life but before it could really yeah come to pass he was gone yeah and i was really mourning uh, i just realized that yeah once you start praying for people once you start getting to know people who they really are not just uh, the mask that they're wearing once you start maybe working alongside people yeah things change and it's so much more difficult to, to, to demonize them or or hate them because you see that there's pain right you you carry your own pain but they also carry pain and sometimes that pain is maybe more than a person can really really bear and where god is calling us first and foremost not to judge but to to show compassion yeah so this guy gregory boyle he was defining compassion in standing in awe at what a person has to carry rather than standing in judgment at how they carry it uh, he also said, part of the spirit dies a little each time it is asked to carry more than its weight in terror, violence, and betrayal. Uh, so we don't want to talk evil actions good, but sometimes you know, this can change the perspective as well as how you look at people. And it's not so easy to label anyone as, as evil anymore. Now, it works the other way around, of course, as well. Right? What if, when we look at the good guys now, right? good guys um what if those that hurt you are actually your yeah your brothers and sisters in christ i don't know whether you have been in such a situation or not i had my share of that and more than once um and it hurts it hurts yeah. there's a song called brother by a, a christian band called the brilliance i don't know whether anyone of you knows it but the chorus goes goes something like when I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. I see my brother. I couldn't sing this song for quite a number of years because my experience was that when I looked into the face of some of my brothers, I actually saw my enemy. And, um, yeah, there were just situations of backstabbing, of betrayal that, that, that hurt me. They hurt me deep and that made it. Yeah, difficult to accept, difficult to love, difficult to forgive, uh, because the wound was was deep. Yeah, and I faced betrayal. Yeah, by people close to me more more than once. You know? and that left me scarred in a way. Funny enough, since last week, really literally the last week, I can sing this song again. Now I haven't heard it in years, but I I couldn't sing it. I didn't want to sing it, but now I can, and I can't say that that I'm fully healed. I can't say that I have fully forgiven, but I can see that I'm on my way and that God is busy 
Yeah, I'm busy healing my heart, you know, which is good. I think we tend to make the mistake that, yeah, to, to focus on the person, right? To see the person as the enemy, right? the flesh and blood person. Well, Ephesians 6 makes it clear that's not the case, right? Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, all right? So it's not people, it's there's a spiritual reality behind it. And sometimes there are no people involved at all. Sometimes it's just a sense of darkness or a sense of depression or of death, right? But when you're in battle, I think it's important that you, that you identify the enemy. You want to fight the right enemy. Let's say you have issues in your marriage. You don't want to end up fighting your wife or fighting your spouse because they are not the enemy, right? So you want to identify the enemy. And then you also want to know how to respond, right? You want to fight well. You want to fight the right way. Yeah. Personally, I often fall into the trap that I, when I'm in a battle, when I feel attacked, that I don't respond with compassion, but that I respond in anger. Yeah. And anger is a topic that is also part of the Song of David here, yeah? especially God's anger, right? Because my own anger, <laughs> you know, especially, let's say, the, the situation of betrayal that I was facing, I sometimes... I'm reminded of the story of Jonah. Uh, he was sitting there waiting for Nineveh to be destroyed um, and nothing happened, obviously. But he was sitting there under the, the, the leafy tree uh, that protected him from the sun. And then, you know the story, the tree dies, the plant dies. And, and Jonah's furious. He's angry. And God's asking, hey, Jonah, do you have the right to be angry? Jonah says, yes, even to the point of death. And that, that's me. That's me sometimes. I was like, yeah, I'm angry to the, to the point of death. Yeah? And sometimes I might not have the right to be angry. But we do see that God sometimes get old, can also really get angry. Yeah? When Jesus was, was uh, cleaning the temple, huh? he was making a whip. Huh? He was throwing over the tables of the money changes. Huh? When he was standing at Lazarus's grave and seeing that, that yeah, Mary and Martha were grieving and mourning and crying, and the scripture says, a deep anger welled, welled up within Jesus. And he was still angry when he was standing at the, at the grave. And that is just something that helps me. That helps me quite a lot. Right? I feel understood, in a sense. Yeah? And it helps me also to, yeah, to, to leave a revenge unto God. Right? The Bible says, no, we should not repay evil with evil. We should leave revenge to God. And we could see in this... In this um, yeah, in David's song, you could read about it as well, right? That, that he says, hey, God will pay back those who harm me. And he's going to deal with them. And it's just good for me to see, hey, because there is grace, but there's also justice. And I can just leave it in God's hands to deal with other people in his own way, in his own time. And if he wants to show grace, then let him show grace. But I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, sometimes I feel like Elijah praying down fire from heaven. Um, that is not how God asks us to, to, to respond, right? But we can just really yeah, trust God that he sees my situation, that he sees your situation, that he will react the right way. Uh, it said here in this, in this song, to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. Okay. Now, that also means that on my side, 
um, humility is asked for, right? And for humility, I kind of need to ask God's help that I can see myself and see others uh, the way God sees us. Uh, which then again makes it more difficult to label the other one that hurt me. Uh, at the same time, God requires trust, right? First Peter 5, 6 to 7 uh, speaks about this humility. It said, humble yourself unto the mighty hand of God, and at the right hand, at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Cast all your cares and burdens unto him, because he cares for you. God cares for you and for me. And God is angry when we suffer, because he cares for us. The song even here said, he delights in us. That's a beautiful word. He delights in us. Not only when, when we perform well, but even in our weak moments. Yeah? Just in, in who we are. Yeah? Just in who we are as his child. Yeah? So when God looks at us, what, what is he seeing? Yeah? Because I was reading here this, this part with the innocence as well. And sometimes I thought, hey, that is not really me. Uh, when David says, God has seen my innocence, I have kept the way of the Lord, I have not, uh, and so on and so forth. And I say, yeah, that's, that's not me. Uh, but what is God seeing? When he's looking at me, when he's looking at you, and you're a child of God, he, he sees faith. He sees holiness. Uh, while we still, as Christian, a work in progress, we are in the process of being sanctified, being made holy. But God sees holiness already. Uh, he sees righteousness already because he sees Jesus in us. That is a beautiful, very beautiful thing. I have uh, a little tattoo. Well, I have a few tattoos, and I don't know how you feel about tattoos, but um, let me just show that one picture here. I'm actually wait, not sharing my screen yet. Uh, still not sharing it, but uh, let's see. Um, this little little guy here. Yeah, as you can see, it's a bit reflecting, but it is a little saint, right? Because while it is true that we are sinners saved by grace, uh, when we accept Jesus and his death on the cross, um, when we surrender our lives to him, we become children of God. We are sinners saved by grace, but at the same time, we, we became actually a saint, right? In the New Testament, uh, believers are often um, addressed as saints. Uh, we are saints who occasionally sin. Saints who at times fall, but by God's grace, we, we get up again, and we try again, and again, and again. Yeah. Now, when God looks at us, he's seeing a saint, he's seeing a son, he's seeing a daughter. Right? And that can give us really, this change of perspective can give us confidence to say, hey, I, I can do this. I can face my next battle with, with God, with God on my side. Because God doesn't want us to give up. He doesn't want us to respond in anger or whatever. But he does want us to learn how to fight well. Yeah? Because battles are not only battles. Battles are at the same time also a training ground. Yeah? So David said, he trains my hands for battle. Yeah? Now there are different battles that we face. In South Africa, for instance, in, in our ministry, we, we face yeah, literal shooting. Right? We face people struggling with addiction. Uh, with depression, especially in prison, this depression in the prison is rife. Uh, uh, Gender-based violence, violence against women and children, uh, physical, sexual, emotional abuse. We, we have a lot of people that believe a lot, a lot of lies about themselves, about God, about one another, because of life that is happening. Right? So these battles are at the same time training ground for us where we learn how to find well spiritually. 
Now, when you when you think about fighting spiritually, again, Ephesians 6 is coming back to mind, right? The, the, the armor of God, right? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness or the body armor of righteousness, um, the shoes, uh, the shoes that we put on with peace that comes from the good news so that we will be fully prepared. There's the, the shield of faith uh, uh, to stop the, the fiery arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, obviously, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yeah, in 2 Corinthians 10, it speaks about that we are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thought and teach them to obey Christ. Yeah, that is spiritual warfare. Yeah? When you think about spiritual warfare, you think about prayer, you think about the word of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Uh, but sometimes that sounds a bit theoretical. Uh, how do you fight shooting? Uh, we are still learning how to do that. But the way we try to fight shooting, for instance, is really by prayer and by love. Uh, by prayer, not only by interceding, but also by prayer walking. Not just to talk the prayer, but to walk the prayer literally in the shooting zone. Right? And... Sometimes people yeah, call us crazy for doing that. More than once we've been warned by the police, you cannot walk here, they're shooting here, these, these kind of things. But I then sometimes think, hey, but that's the point. That's the point why we're here, because they are shooting. Shouldn't the church be here, right? And bring the presence of the Prince of Peace. And um, yeah, so my expectation is nothing's going to happen, right? And... Um, that is something where I actually come alive with what I love to do, in a sense. Yeah? Seeing that really nothing does happen, that it is peaceful. Um, love is something else. Yeah? To express love, to, to engage with a, with a gunman, with love, on engaging on eye level. Yeah? Gregory Boyle that I mentioned earlier on, um, one of the slogans of his organization is, nothing stops a bullet faster than a job. Yeah. So last week, I had a conversation with, with a young gangster, actually with several young gangsters, but this one approached me, and he's kind of junior management of one of the local gangs, kind of a captain rank, I would say, and he really expressed the desire to get into a job training uh, to become a barista, uh, and that is one of the courses that we would like to offer on the bus in the course of the year, um, but we're also trying to partner with another organization that is doing that already at a different location. And they were open to, to accept them. Yeah? So I was totally excited. I chatted with this guy a few times. He said, yes, he's, he's interested. He's excited. He wants to do it. So the morning of the interview, I'm there, but this guy doesn't pitch. Uh, he doesn't show up. Now, funny enough, the day before I was reading in a book by Gregory Boyle, obviously, um, that this is his experience with gangsters as well, that they might be enthusiastic about a chance, but then on the day, they don't pitch up. Uh, he said, hey, he also had to learn that no matter how much he desires for someone else to have a life, it's not the same as them wanting a life. Uh, he cannot give them the desire for change. Uh, he can just be available. Uh, so I got this guy the next day. Uh, he said, hey, sorry, man, I forgot I had to go to court for a murder case. Uh, he's not the shooter, but no. Um, anyway, we just want to be available, approachable. I said, okay, let's, let's try again. Yeah, um, yeah. 
how to fight shooting, how to fight addiction. Addiction has so much to do with identity. There are so much, so many times core wounds that need to heal, right? And then we just want to, with a bus as well as a house, want to create a, a safe place where you can be, where you can talk, where you can be, be heard, yeah? speak about your pain, uh, and just to see whether we can replace some lies that people believe with truth from God's word. I remember a while ago we had a, a Bible study also in prison. And the topic was rape. It was a very sensitive topic. And um, there was this one lady, not young anymore, but also not old, basically my age. Um, I would say I'm still young. But um, she looked at least 20 years older because of living on the streets and pain that really let her age before her time. And as we came to the end of the session, she was really, really crying because she realized for the first time in her life that the abuse and the rape that she went through in her childhood was not part of God's plan, right? She had literally believed all those years that it was God's punishment for her sins that she went through rape and sexual abuse. Uh, and for the first time she could realize, hey, that was never God's will. Yeah. And she, she passed away in prison, but at least she passed away with having that wound a little bit healed and seeing, hey, her picture of, of the image of God had changed. Another battle is gangsterism. Gangsterism is so, so powerful in the, in the Kate Flats. Uh, a lot of boys suffer really from the father wound, right? Having absent fathers or abusive fathers and just want to belong, uh, just want to be wanted and accepted and loved, but feel unacceptable and unlovable and unwanted. Uh, if you look in God's word, uh, Jeremiah chapter one, where he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Uh, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I, I set you apart as my prophet to the nation. I'm saying God is generally already for life, right? He wants the person. Yeah? And there is a place where they can belong outside of the game. Yeah? In individualistic countries, like Germany, for instance, yeah. you, you know the sentence, I think, therefore I am. Yeah? Here in South Africa, um, community is much more important than in Costa. There is a word called Ubuntu, yeah? something like humanity. Yeah? There's actually a, a phrase called umtu ngumtu ngabantu. A person is a person because of other persons. Yeah? It's something like, I am because we are. Uh, there is something about belonging that is powerful, something about belonging, something about community. And we, yeah, we want to be a place where people do belong. While we fight our battles in the defeats as well as in the victories, we also learn resilience. Right? We learn how to take blows. And I was thinking about Jackie Pullinger, uh, who was working in Hong Kong among gang members and drug addicts. Uh, and she, she faced a situation uh, where young converts, people came to faith, they got off drugs, they get out of gangsterism, and she wanted to plug them into churches, but since she was told, no, don't do that yet. Uh, the churches are not ready for them, and they are not ready for the church. Uh, because even in the church, they will receive some blows from the believers. Uh, and they cannot handle them yet. So let them grow and get a bit more mature so that they can be resilient and stand firm and take the blows no matter from which side they're coming. Yeah. So when we look at all these kind of things, we can see that beside the pain, there is also some kind of purpose or some benefit in the suffering, in the trials that we, that we face. Yeah? It builds resilience. It builds character and hope. Yeah? Roman 5 Three to five says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develop, 
develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Amen to that. Now, in closing, I just briefly want to touch on the second questions. What are you fighting for? Because we know a lot of people, they have actually nothing to fight for, nothing, nothing to, to live for. Yeah. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, uh, Nehemiah addresses the people and he said, hey, don't be afraid of the enemy because they also were facing their battles. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. So many youngsters that we are working with in South Africa, they have nothing to live for. And some of them don't really care whether they live or die. Uh, but we do care. We do care whether they live or die. Huh? And we try to hope there where they can't hope anymore, to dream there where they maybe stop dreaming and to inspire them to, to dream again. Huh? Our desire is that they might come to the point where they can really say, no, God's way, as David said here in the song, God's way is perfect. Yeah? Even if some questions remain, it's fine to have questions, no problem. Even if doubts remain, just reading a book called Unexpected Gifts. And there he also speaks about one chapter. There's one about betrayal and one about all different kinds of things. And one is the unexpected gift and doubt is that it actually builds faith. Right? Because you can believe certain things, just you believe it because you learned it like that in Sunday school. But if doubt comes in, doubt requires faith that we put in faith. Yeah. Faith that God's way is perfect indeed, and that my way, as David wrote here in the song as well, my way will also be perfect. If you look about Romans 8.28, where it says, now we are convinced that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, that is something where we say, hey, even the battles, even the painful experiences, will somehow at the end of our days when we look back, work together for good. Somehow at the end of the day, you can then say, yeah, everything's going to be all right. And then David ends, ends his song as he started it with praise and worship. The Lord lives, praise to my rock. May God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. And I just want to say amen. Be blessed.